we are contemplating broadcasting our services live at some point. I'm not fully sure what I think about that. I am almost sure to get myself into a lot of trouble. And I am almost sure to bring on uh, just an enormous amount of persecution. And I'm like, I don't know that I really want all that persecution, but I know it's inevitable. And I know that the Bible says anybody that desires to live a godly life will be persecuted. Anybody. So if you want to live a godly life, prepare yourself. And stop comparing yourself. I can listen to so many great speakers. I mean, there's so many phenomenal teachers in this world. There's great fathers that I love to listen to and follow on podcasts. And many times I listen to them and I'm like, man, I give up. I mean, they're so good. Like, I don't even, what am I even saying? And then you realize that that doesn't matter. Because I'm not them and they're not me and God's given me something special to give away to somebody else. And I just need to find my voice and find who I am and be confident in my identity and not try to measure up, please be popular. Oh, that's the hard one. Because we all want to be known. We all want to have affirmations. We all want somebody to love us. There's a balance there. You need comfort. You need consolation. You need somebody in your life like Paul needed Titus. It's in the Bible. A lot of people don't know who Titus is. Titus is basically Paul's right-hand guy, not a spiritual son. That was Timothy. But Titus, oh man, was he a hard worker and faithful and an organizer that structured the churches that Paul built. Paul had to have somebody like him, but not only that, Titus knew how to bring comfort and consolation to Paul's life. We'll read about that. We all need someone in our life, but the challenge is, is if we're seeking to be popular, seeking to be seen, or seeking to be known, we've got a problem. That wasn't ever what Jesus did. In fact, early on, when the fame of what he was doing started to spread throughout the land, you know what he did? He retreated to the highways and the byways to the little bitty towns, and he made all the people that wanted to know him work for it. They'd have to hike. They'd have to walk long, hot trails on hot days to find him because being popular wasn't his prime function or purpose. We fall prey to the spirit of this age, which tells you you have to be something. You have to be somebody. It wants to make you look like what's popular in this world, and that's not the way the kingdom is. And why I'm saying that is because each of you are unique. You all have a destiny. You all have a unique eye print. You have a unique fingerprint. You have a unique DNA. There's only one of you. And you have a message inside of you. And I don't want any of you to go through hardship and trouble. John 16, NIV. I don't always read the NIV, though I read it for a lot of years, and I know it, and I know the New King James, and I know the King James really well. The New King James Version of the Bible is the one that I really read the most that I really like because I like the Strong's Concordance and I like to rightly divide the word and treasure hunt scriptures in the Greek and the Hebrew. But I've learned. So New King James says tribulation, but NIV says trouble. Jesus said, did I get it right, John 16, 33? I might not even have it right. I'm... Jesus told us things so that in him we have peace. It's the gospel of peace. What's the opposite of peace? Turmoil, despair, fear, worry, anxiety, doubt, being perplexed, being cast down, being downcast. Those are the opposites. So the gospel is the gospel of peace. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of peace because it's the power of God. And so Jesus said, oh, you're going to have trouble, but I want you to take heart. Everybody say, take heart. So think about what take heart means. It means to encourage yourself, comfort yourself, be lifted up. Don't allow yourself to stay downcast. God comforts the downcast. But there's a, there's a contrast. And the contrast is the difference between dark and light. A good preacher should be able to show you the difference between dark and light. I don't have to preach against the strip clubs and the sorcerers and the witches and the new agers. All I have to do is show how much greater the light is than the darkness. 
Because it's not a yin-yang theology in the kingdom. There's no yin-yang theology. Light and dark are not equal. If you're not careful, you'll fall prey to believing that subtle lie. Take heart. You're going to have trouble. Now, I don't want any of you to have trouble, but I can't cut these things out of my Bible. I'm sorry if it's not the most popular message. In fact, preaching at last service, I was sweating bullets. Because it's so hard. I know you've come. I know you need encouragement and comfort. And that's ultimately what I'm going to bring. But you have to see the contrast. You know, on your TV or your phone, the contrast is adjusting the dark and the light on your TV or your phone. And now what happens is, is God constantly pay, paints the contrast. You're going to have trouble, but take heart. Luke 4.18. This one, you should always know this scripture. I mean, if this is the scripture you've got to know. Just remember it. Memorize it over and over again. It'll remind you of your purpose. It'll remind you of what God's called all of us to do. If you're saying, what am I supposed to do, Lord? I just feel so lost. Luke 4.18, here's a great job description. Just start here. But you got to get it to give it. If you don't know the good news, you can't give the good news. And you know, I said this not long ago, but you know who the good news is really, really good for? When somebody's getting a lot of bad news. Anyway. I mean, I'm keeping this so like a child for you today. If you've got a lot of bad news going on, the good news is really powerful when it comes. Good news to the poor. When you're held in bondage or captivity to something that you can't seem to get out, freedom is a really good message. Freedom to the prisoners. Look at the next verse. Recovery, you can't see? I'm going to teach you about a word today in the Bible. What it means to be a carrier, to carry the death of the body of Christ. Always caring about in our body his death so that we have an external manifestation of his life. I can attribute directly, if you are in a world of hurt and pain and trouble and making bad choices, you are not caring about the death of the Lord in your body. The word carry is the word for peripheral, vision. It's a visionary word. It means not only do I see what I'm focused on, but I can see everything around me. And it means that I have full-time vision of the death of Christ reigning inside of me that overcomes everything. So because of his death, I ask myself, did Jesus die for that? Because if he did, I don't want to do it. Or is there something in me that Jesus died for? And if he did, I'm going to give it to him. So it's protecting me on both sides. It's keeping me from, and it's giving me up. I'm going to teach you that here in a minute. These are just all scriptures I know that led into my message in the last service. I just don't have time, so I get to develop it a little bit more. Can't wait till we double the size of our sanctuary and we get to just have one service. Until it doubles then, then we'll have two. Psalm 50, 15. You've got to learn to rightly divide and study to show yourself approved with the word. I just have word just flows out of me. They come out when I have the anointing of the Lord and the oracles of God flowing through me, and it flows through you too if you'll just learn the word and be obedient to share it and discover it and teach and disciple or be discipled. The Lord says, call on me in the day of trouble, and what will he do? He'll deliver you and he'll honor you. And there's something about being in trouble and there's something about calling out when it comes. You've got to learn the calling out part. That's why Wednesday night, we warfared, we had explosive, I'm talking like dynamite explosion here Wednesday night. I'm still lit up from last Wednesday. I mean, the Lord just came like a freight train. You know why? Because we called out for deliverance in the time of trouble, and we all engaged together to press in for freedom, and the Lord said, my heart is moved, I'm going to incline my ear, and I'm coming down to deliver my people powerful but see the crying out thing that's why in our worship we give you time even on a Sunday morning to cry out I know for some people it's odd and some people tend to be a little more melodramatic than others or a little louder than others I get it but what am I going to do tell this one be quiet and that one be louder and put signs on the wall that restricts and inhibits your worship if it's if it's demonstrative in a way that's distracting our ushers will handle that in a hopefully in a nice way 
But there's got to be freedom because we're coming to Rock City because we need help in the day of trouble. And once we get help and we get strong, we should be helping someone else. So it flips. So whether we continuously go through it, whether we're going through it, or if we've come out of it, there's a place for you to help someone else. I don't want all of you to go through trouble. I, I mean, my wish for you is you'd never face adversity, that you'd never have affliction. Wouldn't that be so nice? We'd have a nice utopia Christianity with no hardship, everything be so great all the time. But you know what? Hardships and troubles and difficulties come. Jesus said it. David understood it. And then he said, this is the purpose of the gospel. Can you bring up the chorus of that first song? I just loved it. It was so right on point. It says, where there was fear, you brought courage. So trouble and hardship come, and I want to teach you a little pattern in our Christian lives of how it works. When you get born again, what happens is the Lord looks down on your life like he did on the earth when it was without form and void. And he looks at your life without form and void. And then he says, let there be light. And he commands light out of darkness. Now that is fascinating to me. It's like the first crack of the sunrise. Light is way more powerful than darkness. Don't ever forget that. So what the Lord does, this is amazing to me, is that in the midst of darkness, he's commanding light to come out of it. That's why Brad McClendon's coming at the end of this month. And I'm telling you, this guy always flips me upside down and made me mad so many times when he first came because he'd always say, in your darkest hour, you're the closest to the Lord. And I'm like, that makes me so mad. Don't tell me that. Because my flesh wants to wallow in a pity party and be comforted by my issues. But what he teaches is that in your darkest moment, there's, there's an opportunity to draw near to him and he's standing close by to comfort you and strengthen you and console you. So darkness, affliction, trouble, and hardship on every time has a purpose. I know you never want to have it in your life. I get it. Neither do I. But I also know that by going through it, I come out stronger. So where there was death, he brings life. Where there was fear, he brought courage. When I was afraid, he was with me and lifted me up. Contrast. And now you learn as you mature. Because I'm going to show you what it means to grow up. We need to grow up. The challenge is a lot of us are living in arrested development. You got born again and you stayed about kindergarten age, spiritually. But I'm not out to just make you feel comfortable. I'm out to challenge you to be transformed and to grow. We can't be Sunday Christians. We have a purpose and a plan, and it can't be all about us and our needs and woe is me. But I got to get you to that place. And then once you get there, you go and you help someone else get there. That's what hardship, affliction, and trouble on every side does. But the, the challenge is, is when you have trouble on every side, here's what most people do. They run and hide. Trouble on every side is something we all face. Every one of us. But it's what you do with it and how you respond. If you fall into shame and you hide, you'll be defeated, downcast, discouraged, broke, busted, disgusted, and you'll live the opposite of the Christian life that we're supposed to live. But if you respond with crying out and calling out and taking heart, staying steadfast, enduring, and running to the arms of the Lord for comfort and consolation, I'm going to teach you about a word today, comfort and consolation. We'll go ahead and jump there right now. 2 Corinthians Chapter 4, verses 6 through 12. We're going to start here, and I'm going to teach it to you actually in 2 Corinthians 1. But we're going to start here. God commands light to shine out of darkness. Why? So that you would, in turn, have light shining out of you. And then in turn, you would behold the glory of the Lord. The glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That you would know his glory. So, he speaks light to come out of you and in turn puts it in you. He gives it to you. Then it shines out of you and it radiates. Shines out of your heart to give light 
to the knowledge of the glory. So you would know the manifest image of who God is in his glory and in his face. You can get in the face of Jesus. Shame, failure, insecurity, inadequacy will keep you back from that. But those are lies. Jesus died for that yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So you never back down. You always pursue. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. I love this. I love this. You know what the word treasure is in the Greek? It's the exact word for thesaurus. It's basically a, a, a place where treasures and gems and jewels and understanding and knowledge are laid up. It's, it's you becoming a storehouse. The question is, is your storehouse empty or full? Because even though I, become, I have this treasure that gets deposited inside of me, that's a storehouse, I have to keep it full. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Store your treasures up in heaven so that rust and thief and moth can't steal, kill, and destroy. So now I'm a gatherer. To store up means I'm a gatherer into my thesaurus, into the, into the storehouse or the treasury inside of me. So I have a treasure in my earthen vessel. It's powerful. Why? So that the excellence. I, you're going to see this word twice today. The word excellence in the Greek, is the word hyperbole. Guys, I love educating. Do you feel like you're in school a little bit? It's all right. Hyperbole is an exaggerated statement to bring an understanding to something, but is often not true. In the, that's the Webster's Dictionary. But a hyperbole in the Greek is an overabundance, far-reaching, throwing beyond, so much more supreme in excellence, and it is true. So that you learn to be dependent on the power of God instead of yourself. Yeah. Own this for yourself. Go study it. I'm just giving you the little bit of trickle. You go open up the faucet and get the flood. I'll just start the drill hole. You finish it. I'll get the nail going. You finish it. So that we have a treasure so that we would know the excellence of his power and that it would be of God and that it wouldn't be of me. That I'd understand only God can do it. I can't do it without him. And you recognize I can't overcome without him in any area of my life. And then Paul just flips. He sets you up. You got a treasure in an earthen vessel. He called light out of darkness. He called you to shine bright. Know that his power is incredible. It's supreme. It's excellent. And you can't do it on your own. And then he, he jumps right into adversity and hardship and difficulties in the contrast. Here's the contrast. Now, I'm going to read it to you one way now, and I'll read it to you another way. I'm going to tell you the dark side of the contrast. The dark side of the contrast starts in verse 8. Verse 8, you're hard-pressed, perplexed. Verse 9, you're persecuted and struck down. That's the hard part. That's the dark side of the contrast. Each one of those words are powerful. Being hard-pressed on every side is like a grape in a wine press. You're about, you feel like you're about to be fully crushed. It means to be you're so compacted like a zip file. You're just, you're just, just being pressed in every way. And it's hard and it's trouble and it, it means to be rubbed down like a worn path. You're constantly being rubbed, 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 rubbed. In fact, the understanding of hard-pressed has two other meanings in the New Testament. And they're not the most popular, but I'll teach them to you. They are trouble and affliction. And the apostles would have to overcome being hard-pressed on every side. They'd have to know what it means to overcome fears and perplexity. They'd have to know how to overcome being struck down. And then Paul goes on to say... We'll come back to those scriptures, but he goes on to say in verse 10, one of the most powerful things. He says, you have all these things happening to you because you're always caring about the death of the Lord in your body so that his manifested life would be revealed in your body. And that word for body is the word soma. It's related to the word sozo. They're, they're, they're related. Sozo is the word for salvation. It means he made you whole. He, when you get saved, you get rescued delivered, defended, protected, and then you get made into everything you were supposed to be. 
So if next time you see some dumb thing on a Hollywood movie or they even mock it on the Disney Channel and there's shows about, oh, you got saved. Oh, did you get saved? They don't have any clue what it means to get rescued, delivered, defended, protected, and made into the original intent of what God created me to be. Man, you got to know what it means. You got to get understanding what God did in you when you got born again and who you are now and stop living the way that you used to live before. So here it is. I'm always caring about in my soma, which is my holistic being, mind, spirit, emotions, and body. Here's another word for the word soma, for the word body. It's the same word for the body of Christ. So the body of Christ is now carrying the death of Jesus. Rock City Church as a whole now carries the death of Jesus, which is the gospel of peace that he died for that. Oh, he died for that. He gave his life for that. You should be fired up because he also resurrected. He's overcome death, hell, and the grave, and so can you. You got to learn these things. You got to grow. You got to become a disciple, become a student of the word. So now, because I'm always caring about his death in my body, I'm understanding the result is a manifestation of his life. Rock City in every part of my being. And the only thing that can carry it can be a carrier. See, the word for carry is that word peripheral. It means I've got vision all around and I'm always focused on the cross and what Jesus did and I'm, carry, I'm a carrier. Say, Lord, make me a carrier. Lord, it's a powerful carry. statement. Come on, guys. Because this is what, here's the direct issue. If you're not a carrier, there's not gonna be a manifestation. Meditate on this. Think about carrier. Think about treasure. Think about thesaurus. Think about storehouse. What's inside of you? The other day, I was crying out in my distress, and I said, you're in me. Because I'm crying out. I know he's, he's sitting at the right hand of God in heaven. I know that, but I also know he's in me. So I start saying, Lord, you're in me. I know you live in me. And I started finding hope and comfort and consolation with the fact that the Spirit of Christ dwells inside of me. So one of the main things that the Holy Spirit does is he comforts you. And I know we want comfort from one another and we need it, but you first got to learn to always run to the Lord for your comfort and consolation. He'll never fail you, ever. Verse 11. Mortal flesh is different than body. Two different words for body here. Mortal flesh is, mortal means always dying. But he brings immortality to our spirit. So now ultimately when we become born again, we become spiritual. We're not human beings living a spiritual life. We're spiritual beings living a human life. When you get born again. I'm so fired up. to. I'm going to get some of you to smile if it's the last thing I do. It's all right. I'm giving you just the best tools and strength. We are going to be a vibrant, vibrant, overcoming church, and we're going to help the addicted, the alcoholics, the drug addicts, the transients, the homeless. This church is on a mission to, to rescue the lost and the dying that are coming into this place. But I got to get us there so that we can help them. This may not sound like good news. Look, you're always delivered to death. Oh, gosh, that doesn't sound so popular, does it? But see, if you understand the contrast, that you're always delivered to death for whose sake? Because he was always delivered to, sake, to death. And what through death comes life, and through brokenness comes a fragrance. So you're delivered to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in your physical body, in your mortal flesh, which flesh is the word sarks, which is where we get the word carnal, which is where we get the word human nature, which is where we get the word animal nature. Look it up in your blue letter Bible. It says animal nature. So what God does is he manifests life now in my mortal flesh so that my body, my physical body, now becomes a sacrifice to him. And now I'm not using my physical body to do something, that I, but it starts first with me being made whole in my soma and us as a family, and then God deals with you physically. 
Woo, yeah. That's why you got to be patient. That's why we love you. We understand the struggle, Israel. I get it. I understand the spirit of this age. And every day I'll be a clarion voice to help you overcome it. Amen. And then challenge you, hammer you to read your Bible. Yes. Spend time with Jesus. I am such a broken record and I don't care. I just don't care. I'm gonna even show you something else that's gonna rock you here in a minute. Look at verse 12. Death in me brings life in you. Death in you brings life in someone else. It's just time to die. If I will decrease, you will increase. And if you will decrease, the person next to you will increase. That's the way the kingdom works. Death in me is life in you. Death in you is life in someone else. Always delivered to death. Always. Always. There's, the always is used two times. Always caring and always delivered. Always means always. Go back to verse 8 for a minute. Hard pressed. I told you just a few minutes ago that hard pressed on every side also means to be troubled. It means to be afflicted. It means to be compressed, rubbed down, or pressed like a grape in a wine press. But the beauty of being hard-pressed by the difficulties of life, see, the Holy Spirit has a way of pressing you like a grape. That's what Gethsemane means, wine press, in the garden where he prayed, cried out to the Lord. What happens is, is that the Lord has a way of bringing us to a place of decreasing and crushing so that life comes out, but the world wants to crush you in a different way. That's why the scripture says we're hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. Oh, I know you're hard-pressed. I get it. And you're hard-pressed in some ways because you put yourself in that position. You made that choice. But guess what? There's a way out. Because when you understand perplexed, when you really understand the word perplexed, it will bring you to the place of realization that you can't do it on your own. Because you know what perplexed mean? I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to do next, and I feel like I have no way out. You're going to feel perplexed. You're going to be hard-pressed on every side. But there's always good news in the midst of all of that. The beauty is that you're not crushed. See, crushed means dire straits. The point is, <laughs> the point is that you're not left in dire straits. You're perplexed means I'm at my wit's end emotionally and I have no idea mentally what I'm going to do next. Somebody in this room might feel that way today. In fact, this time of the year is the highest time for suicide because we come to this place of complete destitute from affliction and being so cast down that we get crushed and then we get to the place of being perplexed and then in turn, we allow being perplexed to bring us to a place of despair. And I'm going to snap you out of despair. Because despair is not biblical. And despair is not what God wants you to fall into. You will come, you will have times of being perplexed. My, Amber and I are perplexed on some things right now. I'm preaching this message because I'm living this message. I'm sorry, the best message coming out of me is the message I live. I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, I'm, I, I'm sorry, but not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. God gives us a unique message for a unique purpose, and we're overcomers, we're conquerors, and we're being pit positioned and set up to bring life and freedom to the captives, to the blind, to those in prison, to the poor. These are the messages of understanding for that. And so hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. In fact, being afflicted brings some unique opportunities to your life. When you are afflicted or hard-pressed on every side or in trouble, now many of you have been through it and come out of it. I don't want you to ever go through it again, but if you do, you'll learn to take heart and cry out and fight the fight every day and never give up because God has a way of keeping you on the edge to keep you desperate. Because the minute that you get comfortable is the minute you lose your fire. So write that down. I'm serious. 
Because in my most difficult two years, I've had the most breakthrough revelation and felt the closest to the Lord that I've ever felt in my whole life. I preached more fervently, more passionately, learned the word, learned him, been more comforted, more consoled than I've ever been. You gotta get a perspective. And so, let me show you a couple things on affliction. I mean, who teaches on affliction on a Sunday morning? I do. Psalm 119.72, or is it 71? See, I had it wrong, but she got it right. This baffles me. Don't say that. What are you thinking, David? It's good for me that I was afflicted. Why? Because you learn something in the midst of it if you respond right. Fear, shame, despair, isolation, loneliness, depression, anxiety, num-num hotel, alcohol, drugs, sex, porn. We numb out on all those things when it comes. And think about this. God is so good when you always get your breakthrough, but he's so bad or distant or not good when you're going through affliction. Oh, man, I got that new house. I got that promotion. I got the best girlfriend or boyfriend. I got... Uh, my tax check's going to be huge with the new child tax care credit doubling. Oh, man. I can't wait. 1000 to 2000 I'm doubling up my money this next year. Really? I mean, like, I got to get a couple extra thousand bucks in my pocket. My small business taxes are going to go down. I'm, like, pumped. I'm, like, hey, if there's ever a time I need it, it's now. God, you're so good. Oh, yeah. Dude, a breakthrough. Woo! And then something adverse happens. Somebody dies. Somebody gets sick. You get sick. Had a car accident. Broke a toe. I don't know. I don't want any of that to happen to you. But you learn to say, God, you're good. No matter what I go through. You're not just good in the breakthrough. You're good all the time. Here is the solidification of that, mess, of that word. Check this out. Highlight this in your Bible. This is incredible. The next five verses that I'm about to read to you, the word comfort and consolation are used 10 times. 10 in five chapters. I'm sorry, five verses. You ready? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Now, comfort and consolation are synonymous, okay? One in the Greek is the word perikalisio, and the other one is perikalisis. They go together. Here's what it means. I'm a comforter that draws close to my wife, hopefully, to comfort her in her difficult time. At least I try, but it's so hard. But I'm the comforter that comes close, and then I bring comfort. I console. That's what consolation is. Consolation is to bring aid and support and strengthen you when you're weak and you're down, okay? Now watch this. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Verse four. Who comforts, remember, 10 times. Who comforts us in all our tribulation or trouble that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. He does it in you so he can do it through you. You're not gonna be able to really comfort and console someone until you get comfort and consoled yourself. So what happens in tribulation or affliction or hardship or trouble, if you respond right like David did, you'll run to the Lord, you'll get your comfort, you'll get your answer, you'll get your aid, you'll get your strength, and now the next person that comes along for you, in your life that needs it, you're able to give it to them because you have it for yourself. You can't give what you don't have. So you comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. So you've got to learn to get comfort from the Lord for yourself in the midst of tribulation so that you can in turn give comfort and consolation to someone else. Look at verse five. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, there should be an abounding of the sufferings of Christ, meaning I've made a stand and I'm not going back no matter what anybody says, no matter how they come against me, no matter what my flesh has to go through, no matter what my adverse, difficult situation is. 
as the suffering of Christ abounded, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. So what happens is, when I go through difficulties and sufferings, I actually learn the consolation of Christ. Verse 6. Oh, there's that afflicted word. I don't like that word, but it's there. Now, if you're afflicted, it's for your consolation. That doesn't make any sense, does it? If you are going through affliction or trouble on every side as a carrier of the... I'm not talking about living a sinful, reckless, bad choice life, though that can bring you into affliction. And the answer to come out of it is to let Jesus put light inside of you, get born again, get the Holy Spirit in you, and let your light shine out and get in the process. Okay? But sometimes we're afflicted because we're making bad choices. And you just got to own up to it and say, I don't want to live that way anymore, Lord. Help me. But many of us have come to the Lord and we're battling struggles and trials and tribulations and fear, very real fears. You call yourself a Christian, but you're like, why am I suffering all the time? Asaph said it in Psalm 73. Look at the world and now look at me. I'm suffering all all the day long. And I'm gonna tell a generation about it, that I wasted my time coming to Jesus. I know Christians that became atheists and I, have to, I really believe to myself they never really got born again. There's a lot of them out there. And so, if you're afflicted, ah, there's a purpose. Everybody say there's a purpose. Consolation and making you whole, which is effective for causing you to endure the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or, if we're comforted, verse 7, it's for your consolation and salvation. It goes two ways. First, I get comfort, consolation, and then I give you comfort and consolation. It's powerful. Really powerful. Now, I won't keep reading this chapter. I know this chapter. The very next verse, Paul says, the God who comforts all the downcast, thank God that the one who comforts the downcast sent Titus because he comforted and consoled me. Very next verse. Next verse. Well, anyway, it's in there. I know it's in there. Point is, is Titus would come along and bring comfort and consolation to Paul, and Paul would be encouraged because the Corinthian church comforted Titus when he showed up and told Titus how much they missed Paul. It was family, relationship, brought comfort and consolation to one another. Psalm 119, 75 through 77, David continues on, I know, Lord, that your judgments are right and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. Let, I pray, your merciful kindness be my comfort according to your word of your servant. Let your tender mercies come to me that I may live for your law as my delight. So in the midst of the affliction, we say, Lord, I'm crying out for your mercy. I need your comfort in my life. I love your word. I'm desperate. And I'm not going to back down no matter what my flesh says or my circumstances say or how I feel. I will decrease and cry out for mercy. I was crying out this morning under the bridge for mercy. My hand's in the air. Have mercy, Lord. Can't do this without you. And then I went to start my truck and the battery was dead. <laughs> Skip had to come give me a jump. So said, go figure. It's not going to deter me. Jump that battery and I'm getting here. I'm going to preach the fireman. Devil, you're not going to win. That's the way. That was my attitude. <sighs> Am I the only one fired up this morning? I haven't started sweating bullets yet, but I feel some heat coming on. You have to learn to cry out for the tender mercies of the Lord. So David said, it was good for me that I was afflicted. Lord, let your tender mercies and your comfort and your word rule my life. He had the proper response. You've got to have the proper response. Stop complaining. I know it's hard. I get it. The Bible says you'll even come to these places. They're real. 
You're gonna have times where you're battling very real fears on the inside. My wife and I had a conversation about very real lies of the enemy, and I loved how she prefaced it. The devil's really been lying to me lately. Powerful. Well, as long as you know it's a lie, you can start to believe the truth. If I was telling you a lie, would you want to know it's a lie? How fast would you want to know it's tr- that, what the truth is? How fast? Look at this. These are little nuggets that strengthen me along the way and will strengthen you. You may not even know we're in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 1, 8. Paul says, I don't want you to be an agnostic. That's the word ignorant. Agnoi, I don't know. God may, he may not be. I don't really know the truth. I don't want you to be ignorant of our trouble which came to us when we were in Asia. You can read about that in Acts. That we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even to life. You mean it was so hard that you were despairing even living any longer? In the Bible, 2 Corinthians 7, 5. For indeed, when we came to Macedonia, our bodies had no rest. But we were troubled or afflicted or hard-pressed on every side. We were rubbed down. Outside were conflicts, but inside were... (gasps) What? They can be real sometimes, can't they? But it's the response that makes you an overcomer. When you understand 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7, fan on, fan onto flame, fan into flame, the gift that was given to you through the laying on of hands, for God has not given you a spirit of fear. I go, ah, man, that was a real lie. That was a real fear. What if I don't make it? What if my life's prematurely cut short? What if I'm gonna die? What about my kids? What about this? The devil's always trying to bring fear that you're not gonna make it another day, but he's a liar. And you gotta rise up in faith and confidence. And then you have to get perspective about eternity. Because eternal perspective will give you the strength you need to live on earth now. Live eternally. That's right. So trouble on every side brought no rest physically to Paul. Trouble on the outside brought very real fear and despair on the inside. It would be Paul's most trusted. This is where it was. I got it wrong. There's so much scripture going through my head. This is where Titus came and comforted Paul in this chapter. Coming of Titus. Send a brother, Lord. Send a friend. Send a sister. Send somebody to comfort me and strengthen me. Get into relationships so you can find comfort and consolation with one another. Don't let isolation, shame, and fear keep you back. We desperately need each other for comfort and consolation in the midst of trouble on every side. So now let's go back to being hard-pressed on every side. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 8. Now let's look at the light side of the contrast. Hard pressed on every side? You're not going to be crushed. Perplexed? Doubt? Not knowing what to do, which way to turn? At total loss? You're actually not in despair. You're not completely exasperated. To be completely exasperated is I have nowhere to go, I, have not, I don't know what I'm going to do, and I lose all hope. And when people come to that place, they want to kill themselves or they check out into the Num Num Hotel. Drugs, alcohol. So you and I get to be the hands and feet of Christ to solve that problem. Comfort and consolation. Tonight, Station Church. Go get with some people that are really way less fortunate. Sit at the table, love on them, comfort them, console them. And if you're going through it and you don't feel like you can give it to someone else, go get in the secret place of the Lord and get it for yourself. I'll leave you with just a couple things and we're gonna pray. I love 2 Corinthians chapter four. I love that chapter. Read it later today, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter four 
verse 1 and 16, uses this phrase, don't lose heart. Two times. Do not lose heart. Right? Jesus says, take heart. And now Paul's saying, don't lose heart. Because you can have a lot of things that can cause you to lose heart. In fact, in verse 1, it's a, follow, it's a follow-up to the end of 3, which talks about where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom, and that the veil's taken away, and now you can see Jesus. That's the end of 3. And then he says, because of that, don't lose heart, but renounce the hidden areas of shame. Then you jump over to verse 16. Check this out. Even if your outward man or the tent your body and your flesh is perishing, which it is, by the way. Newsflash, we're all getting older. And you know my famous saying, you can't stop the sag. <laughs> we'll just leave it there. Your outward man's perishing, but the inward man is being renewed. How often? Say it again. Day by day. So no matter what's happening on the outside, there's something happening on the inside. But you are the only one that can get the day by day. Day by day is every day. And if you don't have a day by day, you're going backwards by backwards. You're falling short. You're losing time. You're not actually redeeming time. You're wasting time and you're getting robbed. I said that last week. If you're not having experiences and time with the Lord with your daily bread, you got robbed every day. I tweeted out my first tweet in like years. I, just, I don't know why I got inspired to tweet, but I did. Yeah. She's laughing. I, I'm, take, I'm ruling Instagram these days, I'll tell you what. No. Amber makes all my pictures nice, and then I steal them from her so I can put them on Instagram. God forbid I don't post the perfect picture with the right filter. I mean, we're going to have major problems. All right. I'm just kidding. We're having some fun, all right? But not really. All right. You know what happens when you constantly battle sickness, struggles, affliction, trouble on every side, feeling perplexed and all those things? You forget about the fact that you won't be crushed, fallen, despair, and that you're an overcomer. And then you start focusing on the outward man instead of the inward man, and you let the outward man affect the inward man, and because of those issues, you stop running for comfort and consolation, and then you fall into a pit of despair, and then you want to give up. This really baffles me because look at the next verse. This, it doesn't feel very light at the time, does it? But the Bible says it's a light affliction, and it says it's only for a moment. And it has a job. That affliction has a job. And it's only light and it's only for a moment, but it actually works for you a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You've got to get an understanding of eternity. You've got to understand that this life is short, fleeting, and we're just passing through, but our ultimate home is not earth. It's ultimately with the Lord for eternity in heaven. And what we go through here works something in us for an eternal glory. And this next little bank of scriptures, I title verse 18, this little section, Do You See What I See? We're gonna sing that for, do you see what I see? Love that. What are you looking at? Look at the verse. What are you looking at? Because if you're looking at the things seen, they're only temporary. But if you're looking at the things not seen, verse 19, there's your word, eternal. You've got to get eternity in your heart. You can't get so sidetracked by this life. In fact, the on fire Maturing Christian has a yearning and a longing for eternity and to be with the Lord, but understands until that time comes, I have the deposit of the Holy Spirit or a guarantee and a purpose to accomplish until I get there. But I'm longing. The older I get, the, the closer I grow, the more I have a desire 
for eternity, but I also understand I don't want anybody to not go. Go back just one more verse to show it to you again. Do you see what I see? What are you looking at? What are your eyes on? Your stuff, your money, your jobs? In 5, 10, 15 years, you're going to look back and go, man, I made it. I got the best this and the best that and all this and all that. Then what? I love the phrase, and then what? I always think to myself, I'm going to do that, and then what? What's next? Get your eyes off the temporary things of this world and understand that your affliction's only for a moment and it's working something eternal in you. And this is my last scripture for you this morning and we're gonna pray. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. You know why it says don't cast away your confidence? Because sometimes you'll feel like casting away your confidence. Right? See, don't cast away your confidence because it has a great reward if you don't cast it away. Don't give up. Stay the course. Don't back down. I know it's hard. I understand. I know sleepless nights. I know sicknesses. I know death. I know adversity. I know the loss of hundreds of thousands of dollars. I know the most difficult situations all in the last year and a half. And I've been a Christian 25 years. And I said, oh, I'm going to get more confident because I got a reward coming. I got a great reward coming. Look at verse 36. But there's something that I have need of, and so do you, more endurance. To not give up, to not back down. You have need of endurance so that, here's what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, before you do the will of God, you'll get the promise. I said, Lord, I just want all, I want all the benefit, but I don't want the cost. I want all, and you get a promise when you get born again. You get the promise of the Holy Spirit. You get the promise to become a son. You get the promise of salvation. You get a full-grown Jesus living inside of you. Man, do you get a lot of promises. But re, the rewards that come if you don't cast away your confidence and the continued promises and the ultimate promise of eternity come to those who endure to the end and don't cast it away. You have need of endurance. So when the going gets tough, some of us are ready to quit. Mic drop. <laughs> Can't break a good microphone, but that would have been fun. Let's all, yeah, it's too expensive. I need a cheap mic for a mic drop. Let's all stand.